Hey, this is Ollie, and welcome to the Private Members Podcast for the Body Reset. This podcast has been built to help build the skill set of health so you're equipped with the skills to navigate life in a body that never holds you back. I'm going to walk you through some of the core concepts, beliefs, and strategies we use in the Body Reset coaching system to help transform your body, upgrade your energy, and dive deeper into understanding long-term health and performance. Let's find that first domino. Last week, or even on Monday, just getting an idea of some of these signals coming through. Uh, there's going to be two parts to this equation, and it really comes down to: is our problem overeating or is it undereating? Which uh, it's surprising how many people are undereating and seeing uh, your body slow down. So the big thing that we're, we're looking at here is going to be firstly that signal: if we keep eating because we don't get that signal, we're not getting that response that we're full. That's I'll put my hand up on that one. Or the second one there is we're constantly undereating because we never feel like eating. Now I can always also put my hand up on that because if you feel like you're in the flow with work or you're um, you know, a little bit stressed or kind of just sort of trying to get too much done in the day, those signals don't come through. And getting an idea of maybe how we can improve that in the body, both of those are going to be really helpful. Uh, one of the con- uh, constant themes that will come up today is just that concept of fuel, not starve, right? Trying to get an awareness of getting your body back on your side comes through counting colors and nutrients, not calories. And if we can build this awareness of building the body back up, it starts to be a lot happier and it starts to work with you. And if we start to get an idea of some of these signals coming through, your body becomes your own natural coach. You start to get an awareness of these signals coming through should i should i eat a little bit more should i eat a little less and managing that process becomes the skill set we talk about a lot in trying to build that that process back up all right so um how many people have heard of these two hormones um, if you can just write in the chat just yup or no uh we'd be great to see how many people have, have heard of ghrelin and leptin are they completely new to us um or are they ones that we've heard of before so yep no no Turkey is a pt you've heard it great uh, lots of no's uh, yes from tim yes from marissa Leptin, Wade, Richie, no, okay, so pretty balanced. Um, so ghrelin and leptin are the two hormones we'll focus on today and getting awareness of which one we're working with. Uh, we're going to keep it really, really simple. Uh, the basic one here is ghrelin is our signal to eat, right? If we've got a strong ghrelin signal, then we're going to eat more. If we've got a strong leptin signal, then we're able to actually stop eating. What's more common is we have a very low leptin signal and we don't know when to stop eating, right? Um, if we've done a diet for like a really, really restrictive diet for four weeks, two months, whatever it might be, and then we go back to normal eating, we could eat a whole cow before we get that signal coming through that we need to stop eating right so there's a lot of this coming through where uh, these can be really disrupted and i just want to walk through a couple of those uh, for you and um, the big thing here is with the greenland aspect signal to eat that's one we're going to dive into if we feel like we're not eating enough and that's uh, a lot more prominent with with females definitely males too but that's one where we really want to start fueling that body a little better whereas leptin is going to be a little bit more on the uh, we just keep over, sort of over consuming all right so uh, i had a little chat to mandy about this before we dived in so a couple fun facts i found really helpful before we sort of dive into the main things um carbs don't trigger a leptin response nearly as much as a high amount of protein or fat so if you feel like you're you have a tendency to overeat try adding more protein into your diets and less on the carbohydrate side right because we can eat a um you know a bunch of uh, chips or bread or cereal or whatever it might be and we can hone through that really really quickly without feeling like we're full right whereas if we're adding in a certain amount of steak for example we use that as an example if you were just eating steak you get a very strong signal when you're full okay Okay, so being able to manage that and get an idea of if, if it is a tendency for you to overeat, adding a higher amount of protein will make a big, big difference to getting that signal back. And it's also much, much harder to store body fat if you're over, overeating protein rather than overeating carbohydrates. Now, I know there's been a worry going back and forth with uh, you know high protein, is it bad for you? Um, unless there's a, uh, you know, a, a stage two or 
free kidney issue that we're aware of, and we'll, we'll work with you if that is the case. We have had a couple of times there. Um, usually, a high-protein diet is not going to be an issue, and it certainly isn't going to put extra stress on the kidney beyond what a body can manage. So if that worry is there, you can get rid of that. But if there are some kidney issues, we can work around that one. All right. And the really, really interesting one um, that we tend to see maybe with our partners, we start to see with uh, family, whatever, uh, is that hangry signal that comes through. So when we haven't eaten for a while, we uh, might want to stay with them, uh, stay away from them until they've eaten something. Uh, this is something that can get stronger uh, the worse our blood sugar control is, right? So meaning if we're usually reliant on a lot of carbs and we're getting a lot of spikes and dips in our blood sugar, if we get a really big drop in blood sugar, right? So it's gone up and then it, it tries to reset, it over-resets and drops, which is very, very common if we've got poor glu uh, glucose control, sugar control. Um, that makes it a lot more likely to be highly irritated, right? So if we don't have a lot of um, you know, very good sugar control there, that's something that those uh, that you'll get a lot more grumpy around uh, being hungry. Whereas getting an idea of building that sugar control back up, it will help. Uh, third one here, appetite reducing. So if we're, if we're constantly on diets, uh, which we see a ton, if we're constantly trying to miss meals or fast or whatever it might do, if we're not in a high healthy state, it's going to make a, oh, I've missed the S here, but it's going to impact sex hormones directly. So with women, we see a massive decrease in estrogen if we've been on diet a lot which is going to be uh, not great for energy sex drive uh, performance in any area uh, quite a lot and it's going to be exactly the same on the on the male side with testosterone so if we're always suppressing our diet we're always under fueling the body it's going to directly impact those main sex hormones our testosterone estrogen and even progesterone at some level and um, so if we notice that we're getting a lot of low hormone uh, function if that's something that we're struggling with uh, you know trying to fuel the body not starve the body as we talked about is going to be really really helpful uh, and then the last one here which I think is always a nice one to add in uh, is really this awareness that hunger and having some level of hunger there is actually a really good thing right it means your metabolism is not working and we've had a lot of clients come through again if they've done diet after diet and they've really suppressed that diet and therefore their hormones and a lot of other functions in the body uh, the biggest thing we want to get is getting their metabolism back on track right and this is a, a really really big problem where the fitness industry is we're finding short-term success with uh, fat loss uh, at the expense of long-term health, right? And there's a divide happening between health programs and, and fitness programs right now uh, that we're trying to you know, bridge, bridge the gap. But if we allow ourselves to be hungry, not starving, but hungry at some point in the day, that's a really, really nice signal to know that our metabolism is actually working at some level again. So we're going to dive into that a little bit, but those are just some sort of things I wanted to touch on to start with. Uh, cool. So the first one we're going to dive into is this idea of overeating. So if it's something that uh, you do find yourself making those portions extend, going back for seconds, never feeling like that signal's there. Uh, the first one that is really worth diving into is understanding why we're eating, right? Because I think uh, this isn't all-inclusive, but it's certainly a list of things that may come through for you. So stress, for a lot of people, it's going to be a calming effect. And, and there's definitely signs that if you have a level of carbs, calming the body down through uh, through carbohydrates can be really helpful. And it's one of the big reasons we actually keep carbs in our last meal is it will actually improve your, your sleep. Now, you'll get a high uh, increase of serotonin. It will improve your melatonin response to actually get a deeper level of sleep. So there's definitely benefit to that. But if we're starting to, to consume and over-consume carbohydrates, throughout the day because there's high levels of stress that's clearly going to come into a, a couple issues there um, emotion right it's going to be very much the same if it becomes something externally that we're trying to fix through food uh, there's generally going to be a diminishing return there uh, boredom again getting an idea of where that's coming through in your household your workplace whatever else that's a huge one low energy and where that low energy is coming from is going to be an important one and then clearly convenience right just getting a classic uh, you know for me during the day it's like I must eat something that comes out of the fridge rather than comes out of the pantry so I'm not just going in there and grazing 
and and staring at the at the, at the pantry until something comes out of me, right? Because it will, and I'll eat it all. So taking that time to remove that convenience can can be really helpful there. So the first one, yeah, under, identifying whether that's actually hunger or boredom. I think most of you have heard the analogy of if you're hungry, start with drinking you know 200 mil, 500 mil of water first, because sometimes you're usually dehydrated, not hungry. So that's a, a really really important one to look at first. Uh, second one is if your sleep is low, uh, you will be more hungry, right? It's if you're getting less than six hours of quality sleep, you tend to consume four to six hundred calories. Seems to be the measurement measurement that's quite consistent uh, calories over your natural metabolic rate. So there's a gap that is being uh, made through not getting enough sleep. And then we're, our body's going to try over-consume in order to just function through that day. So if we're consistently under-sleeping and we're consistently over-consuming, then we're going to run into some extra fat there. Uh, third one here is going to be looking at the calorie-dense versus nutrient-dense. If you're not aware of that one too much, uh, diving into um, our uh, food labels uh, conversation from, I think, two weeks ago with Shannon and I, uh, getting awareness of what are some of the ingredients coming into the food. Really, really interesting part there is just, you know, the higher the, high, the, higher the processed food, the more... Uh, sugar in there or, or uh, extra processed functions, it's going to make a pretty big difference to how that body is absorbing it. So if we're seeing uh, there's a lot of uh, man-made uh, preservatives and um, other stuff in there, it's going to be harder and harder for that body to break down. But what's also artificially manufactured into the stuff a lot of the time is that ability to just keep eating it, right? They're not going to get, you're not going to get a strong signal to stop eating. It's the classic Pringles effect, all right? So if we're having whole foods, a nice... Um, uh, whole meals base and we're getting all those nutrients into our food we're much more likely to get a strong signal to know when to stop because our body's actually getting the nutrients that it needs from the foods if they're calorie dense foods they don't have a lot of nutrients our body's going to keep consuming consuming because it's not getting the nutrients from the food we need so it's going to keep going right so uh, one of the biggest things in today's society is that most people are over consuming yet they're undernourished right and you're like how can that be both you're overeating but you're not getting enough nutrients it's exactly because of that, that theory right so this concept of too many calories but not nearly enough nutrients in the food because we're not eating real food um, so this really dives into that whole idea of having whole foods versus processed if we have that main base of whole foods making sure that that, uh, that really good nutrients is there that signal will be a lot stronger and your ability to uh, know when to stop eating will be really really uh, prominent and then you know we dived into stress a little bit um, the one thing that i think would be important to touch on is is this idea of stop trying to fill the hole and, and getting an idea of maybe this happens with your kids, maybe this happened when you were younger, it certainly happened with me, um, is when you get to a certain position where you're you're tired, you're hungry, you're whatever, then you tend to be given, you know, or you've even done well, right? You go out for dogs or you get that, that uh, you get the lollies or whatever it is. And then externally, you start having these foods as rewards, right? We start to reward ourselves with food. We start to feel bad, so we add in more food. It's a really, really big emotional time with food and emotions coming through. So, so sometimes getting awareness of uh, a lot of the replacements that you might be going through now and uh, awareness of uh, sometimes those relationships with food, you might be uh, not realizing that uh, you're starting to eat this food on a Friday, right? The classic bear on a Friday to, to unwind from the week. Well, how can we replace that with a drink that's more helpful or an activity that allows us to calm down the same way without that being, unpro uh, being unproductive to our health? 
uh, as a base. So being able to adjust those and look into maybe where you're you're trying to fill a gap from an emotional standpoint with alcohol, pizza, whatever it might be, uh, it's a very, very common aspect there. And if we can start to identify the emotion and find something that's more helpful to unwind, to relax, to calm down, we can start to remove that from that food, not entirely, but just be aware of where that's coming in. Um, the, the last one I want to touch on from the overeating aspect, as we touched on before, is realizing that a little bit of hunger is a really good thing. And realizing that a little bit of hunger there is not going to kill you. Having a bit of hunger is going to make a huge difference to, um, or, or just being able to sit in that discomfort is a massive skill to improve how that body functions. So just being able to sit in it a little bit longer, if we're starting to structure out those meals a little bit, uh, you know, we're doing four meals a day, maybe we're in, at the point where we're just still doing three, um, and we're rather than grazing and, and uh, you know, the, the classic thing that comes through is we're eating healthy, but we're still over consuming, right? We end up eating like four handfuls of nuts through the day. Even though it's healthy, we start to over consume a lot of food. So taking that time to get back to four distinct meals rather than a continuous grazing through the day, which I know is really, really common, just being able to sit in that hunger a little bit. Make sure you're hydrated and that, make sure you're not, uh, you know, tired and you have, it's, you've moved recently. All of those sort of ticks first and just being comfortable with that hunger because if we do have, uh, good sugar control. If we are fueling the body with the right food, we should still have high energy. We should still have a good cognitive focus. We should be able to sit in that hunger. The issue that really comes in is if we have poor sugar control, if we're sticking to a lot of carbohydrate, carbohydrates in the day, we're not allowing our body to use fats as fuel, we will find that those dips and dives are much more significant. It affects our, our moods, our energy, our cognitive focus a lot more. Okay, So all the more reason to fuel our body a little bit more on the higher fat sometimes and making sure that we're you know, as we get better at using fats as fuel, it will make a huge difference to uh, our energy through the day. Uh, a really, really big analogy that I use on this a lot is the uh, the classic fuel tanker, right? We're, we're driving along the truck, we've got all the fuel on the back, but we can't use that fuel, right? It's exactly the same as, as the, the typical, uh, th these days, typical uh, middle-aged bloke who's got this big belly in front of him and all this body fat he can't use. And every time he tanks with energy, he's got to eat more food because his bodys it doesn't have an ability to use his own body fat is fuel right fat is stored fuel so if we can improve our ability to have this metabolic flexibility we call it to improve our ability to use fats as well as carbs as fuel right being able to switch between the two then our body will get much better at burning body fat and being able to use that big tanker on the back to be able to fuel that truck all right so a big part of that process is getting a little bit of discomfort around hunger realizing that's a good thing and then allowing our body to use a little bit more fats as fuel okay and um, does that all make sense so far yeah cool all right, so if we go the, you know, not there yet, uh, kind of touched on that already, high protein, getting some fats and carbs in. Uh, big thing that comes through here is going to be the awareness of, uh, I've touched on a couple, even on this call, where uh, if we are going the other way and we're just doing, you know, protein for the diet, right? We're just doing protein and veggies. And we want to make sure that there's some sort of energy source there, right? So as I was saying with the tanker analogy, we want to make sure we're not just trying to use protein as fuel because it's a very, very inefficient protein source. We'll get very, very low in energy very quickly, right? We might lose a bunch of fat in three weeks, but again, it's, it's short-term success, long-term failure. So if we want to make those changes to make sure we're, we're fueling the body, we're feeling good long-term, we want to make sure that we have that balance of adding in a little bit of fats in the morning, a little bit of carbs in the, at the night, and we've got a protein uh, 
base with every meal makes a really, really big difference. Uh, mastication is important. So simply chewing your food. We dived into that a ton around uh, digestion. Uh, the big thing with chewing your food, you're going to get more saliva, you're going to get more enzymes there, which allow uh, you to digest your food better, but you're also going to get your body ready to eat that food and you're going to get a stronger signal to stop when you're full. Okay, If we start inhaling food and we, we get all that food down in 10 minutes, we don't have time for our body to tell us we're actually full. Whereas if we enjoy those foods, we're a little bit more mindful in how we eat. We put our knife and fork down in between meals, which uh, in between uh, bites, uh, we chew longer, right? It's supposed to be over 20, 25 chews per uh, per mouthful. I have had someone count it before, but just being able to chew a little bit longer makes a really, really big difference to both your digestion, right? That gut health base that a lot of you are here for, but also making sure we get a stronger uh, signal to know when to stop eating. So if we're uh, struggling with overeating uh, for me for for six years my sole goal was building muscle so I was eating upwards of 8,000 calories some days so I was eating a lot of food for meals for three so being able to retrain my brain to actually eat normal people meals again <laughs> did take some time and this is really the things that came into that a lot all right so getting an idea of having a nice um, a base of the fats and carbs so I'm fueling the body not just on high protein I'm sticking to more of my my sweet potato my long grain rice my quinoa rather necessarily pastas and uh, breads or whatever right make a big difference to getting in high quality foods and high nutrient intake and making sure i'm chewing my food again right really really important but really really simple not oh, really simple really important and <laughs> um, so where i was going to go next is this under eating and ladies this is usually you but not just you taking the time to actually fuel the body if we feel like you know the classic example of trying to drop body fat is train too hard and don't eat anything right and you'll generally lose some weight well, that works for four weeks, right? And then a body stops working with us. So hopefully if, if you're in that position, you feel like the body's not working with you, we want to get an awareness of where maybe the lack of the signal, uh, that, that uh, leptin signal is coming through. So first, as I said, was high cortisol. So high stress, right? Cortisol, cortisol is our main stress hormone. So if we're noticing that we're not hungry, the first thing we always want to check is where is our stress at? I know for me, if I'm flat out through the day and I've got far too many things to do, I just don't feel like eating because my cortisol is through the roof and I need to be able to manage that first. As soon as I take a second to actually chill out, relax, breathe, I realize I'm starving <laughs> and then I can hope go have a meal. So uh, a lot of us, that's quite important in the morning when we're rushing around, we're looking after kids, we're trying to get things done all before 9am uh, taking that time to readjust our schedule to fit us back into our day which is a huge part of our stress and sleep phase is trying to manage that cortisol a little bit better by no means we're trying to reduce uh, to, to remove cortisol but if, if stress is high all day it makes a huge difference uh, to the, that lack of, sunlit, uh, of hunger signals uh, will get in the way quite a bit uh, second one here is fasting. I know we get a ton of questions around fasting. Uh, again, fasting is not uh, good or bad. It's, it's one of these things, again, where the, uh, the industry as a whole is very black and white. I think it's very much a continuum. And there's people that we use fasting for 100%, but it's going to be on a, on a um, uh, client by client basis and getting an idea of where that may be coming through. Uh, for a lot of people, unless you already have a high level of muscle mass, your stress is low, um, and your goal is more on anti-aging rather than necessarily recovery, uh, Obviously, both are important. I think the autophagy aspect or regeneration of cells is really the one that promotes fasting. Um, but if we're in a position where we've still got a lot of body fat to drop and where our stress or our management of toxicity in the body is not uh, where it needs to be, fasting is not the best way forward, right? So it's generally a laziness aspect and it's uh, I'm not eating because I, I don't have a good morning routine rather than I'm fasting because it's a good health thing to do. So I'm um, digesting that. 
Uh, I am blunt sometimes. So hopefully that allows you to focus on and not fasting all the time. Uh, if it's a, a once a month uh, fast, I definitely have seen benefits from that from a sort of improved digestive benefit or potentially cognitive as well. Um, and it's something down the line as we get your body healthy. Uh, we, we've done with our mastery guys a couple of times with good success, but we need to get that body healthy first and we need to make sure those, those uh, hunger signals are really there. Uh, the third one here, which is probably the most prominent, uh, well, it's quite prominent, is that constant dieting. So if we're dieting up and down, there's, there's more and more ridiculous diets coming out. We're adjusting the protein or we're eating under 900 calories or we're, we're adding in drugs to block the signals that aren't happening anymore. I've seen it all um, and it still surprises me, <laughs> the new ones coming out. The more you do these diets, the more it disrupts your metabolism, the more it, it suppresses your hormones, it suppresses your immune system, it suppresses so many things right down to your personality. So taking that time to manage your, your food intake and realize that all of these diets are built to back you into a corner and get a result in six weeks and then you're stuffed because you've got to put it all back on again. We've really got to change that approach and that's really the goal of fueling that body not starving. And our laziness, kind of already touched on that before and really that prioritizing of you, making sure we have some sort of morning routine so that stress isn't really, really high. The last one here, we've dived into this quite a bit with the female cycles. Uh, obviously, this is different a little bit with menopause, but if we're still getting a, re a regular menstrual cycle, this is also going to be a case of managing where you are, okay? Because where we are in the flexor cycle versus the luteal will make a quite a, quite a big difference actually to your metabolism, to your uh, tolerance to carbohydrates versus uh, fat as fuel uh, and if you if you want to learn a little bit more about that we do have a video on that in the hormone section for, you, for the females um, but it's really really a, a good thing to add in because if there's uh, we all know about cravings certain times of the month but typically if we notice that we're not as strong the recovery is not there we're not feeling as comfortable as uh, or confident around skin if we're not feeling as hungry managing that and being able to track that with our cycle is really really valuable as well uh, it can start to give you a much more insight into how your body works and when I should be fueling when I should be training harder and when I should maybe be stepping back and sticking more to walks or yoga or whatever it might be right so knowing that that ebb and flow uh, is, a, is a really really important part too um, so the big part here I've had a lot of conversations this week so this is uh, kind of been waiting for this a little bit but the big part here as I said is, is you need to fuel your body to burn fat uh, I've seen it so many times where people have uh, you know the biggest thing I'll try to go back to full view Say our, our metabolic rate is say uh, two thousand calories, right? That could be a that's pretty normal for the average male, supposedly, right? Now, if we go and put our calories down to seventeen hundred, right, we've got this what was called a deficit, right? And that's pretty normal. Most people know that if we put ourselves in a deficit, we're going to lose body fat, right? Provided we're healthy, that's generally going to work. But the problem is, if we start continuing and go down, our body's always got a level of homeostasis. It's going to want to regulate that and stay at a position where it's uh, managing the same weight. So if eventually it's going to adjust down to this new level, right? And what we're going to start doing is, and we see it all the time, is we see people dropping calories, they lose some body fat. They stop dropping body fat they, and, and because their body is adjusting to this new level and then they drop calories. And they just start doing this until they're at like 1,000 calories, 900 calories. They lose their personality. They lose their sexual drive. They lose their metabolism. They lose their, their immune system, right? They're sick all the time. There's so many things that come in, especially on the, on the hormones on the female side. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with that have completely lost their menstrual cycle because they've dived that deep into that, into that process, right? So taking that time to look at uh, and realizing how much it impacts the body as a whole, if you're not fueling 
building the body, you can't just win the battle with dropping the calories down further and further, right? Our big goal here is we still have a base rate, right? But how can we build that body back up, right? Where energy is high, our sleep's high, our stress is more managed. We start to build that metabolism back up. And now even if we're eating 2,000 calories of better quality food, we're fueling that body in a completely different way, right? And I can't, so many people are eating double what they used to eat and they're still dropping body fat. So it's not just this game of dropping calories down and down, right? And it's kind of the big goal we're trying to change, okay? So if you're managing that and you're getting awareness of, it does take some time, right? Really trying to fuel the body. If your body's not feeling 100% and you're trying to drop body fat, how can I look after my body in a way that I'm looking at my stress? Am I getting enough movement in? Am I standing a little bit more so I'm not sitting behind a desk all the time? Am I taking those small changes to work with my body rather than just trying to drop calories down and get the short win, okay? It'll really, really make a big difference in the long run. Um, second one here is that idea of nutrients function. We touched on that again versus calorie dense versus nutrient dense. So if we're getting in more nutrients, uh, that whole foods approach, it's going to make a huge difference to how we feel cognitively, right? Our mental sharpness, our energy, our hormone function, our ability to burn fat. So if we've got a higher level of nutrients in our meals, it makes a really, really big difference. Uh, this kind of debunks a lot of the stuff around it doesn't matter um, you know, if it's a calorie is a calorie, well, a calorie is completely different if that comes from a chocolate bar to a steak, right? How our body gets energy out of those foods is going to, is going to be metabolized very, very differently. And the, the, the interesting part is how that's digested by Ollie is going to be very different to Rose or Ian or Hamish, right? So taking that time to uh, get an awareness of the foods we feel best on, which is a big part of this program, will allow us to really elevate our metabolism, our energy and everything in between. All right. Cool. Um, this one came up a ton. I know uh, a lot of you ladies touched on this on your Tuesday call with Shannon, yesterday's call with Shannon, uh, but taking that time, like, how much is 100 grams of protein, right? And, uh, you know, this is a, a bare minimum, really, for most people, as a bare, uh, you know, a, main, a minimum requirement of protein for a day, 100 grams, right? So what does 100 grams really look like? If we've got 100 grams of beef, right, which is not a huge amount, we'd say, you know, a fistful, maybe a little bit more, um, that's 100 grams of meat. That's not 100 grams of protein, right? So if we've got 100 grams of steak, we're going to be roughly around 20 grams of protein. If we're, chicken's a little bit higher, it might be about 25, right? So if we look at, we want 100 grams of protein for the day, and we're doing 100 grams for one meal, we're somewhere around that 20, 25 grams for, for say, chicken. So if we do four meals of 100 grams through the day, right, right and a lot of you already gone, that's a lot of food <laughs> taking that time to add in a little bit more th through the day to hit the, the, the 100 grams of protein you'll get an awareness of uh, maybe how much you're under fueling that body and how much we need to build that back up uh, i know phil and uh, you're the only one on today's called Wade. i think you're in the same position now with our mastery guys uh where we're upping the training a little bit we're going for 200 grams for, for a lot of our guys so you know really elevating that a lot of guys are like i've never eaten this much meat in my life <laughs> but they're seeing their recovery go through the roof they're seeing a lot of things come through so just that little things come through a fair bit 100 grams protein versus 100 grams actual meat are two different things so it's usually going to be a lot higher than uh, most people think and um, so there is going to be a little bit of a variation between some of those meat sources uh, i know the ability to uh, enter um, to connect my fitness power with our our app directly is, is a really really helpful way to do that so if you're beyond, beyond month two that's definitely something we can look at if you're in week uh, week one right now uh, don't worry about what i'm saying <laughs> but it'll be something that we look at looking to down the line and getting an idea of what you feel best on right so uh for for the beef we might have a slightly this this doesn't look right i, I think um i got this one off the internet didn't look at it but i think the the steak would actually be a lower protein chicken typically is higher so we'd say somewhere around 20 22 grams for for a red meat depending on the on the amount there whereas chicken might be a little bit higher uh, salmon tends to be a little bit lower 
uh, protein, but it's quite high fat, right? So you're getting a lot of omega-3s in there. So if we're doing something like a scotch fillet steak or we're doing a salmon, those can be sort of more of those high fat options that we can use earlier in the day, even breakfast. Uh, yes, I have a scotch fillet, uh, scotch fillet or, or even a, a beef mince or something for breakfast if I'm, if I'm up to it, and I feel absolutely fantastic. Um, if my digestion's not there, uh, then I might go a smoothie or I might give it, you know, I might move a bit more before I have breakfast. Uh, it's definitely something that's not for everyone, but that's what I find I feel best on. So uh, rotating those meats, getting an idea of getting enough protein in is definitely going to be a really good place to start. All right.